try to burn off. Run right to the back of him. Run right to the middle and out the back. What's known in football terms as a slam dunk. Once again, back here at SEC Media Days 2023, Nashville just missed him by a day. He has returned to the state of Texas, but Joe Cook inside Texas, kind enough to join us here. Joe, hate we didn't meet in person, but we're going to talk some Longhorns here. How are we doing? Doing great, man. It was uh, fun to see what everybody's talking about whenever uh, they talk about SEC Media Days. Uh, I went from Big 12 to SEC and uh, the the process is pretty similar, but the volume of people there in, in Nashville was a lot greater than the, the volume at AT&T. And it just makes me excited to not only see Texas join the league next year, but to have everybody in, in the Lone Star State in Dallas in, in 2024 when we do this uh, the next time. Yeah, so let's get into it. I mean, just groundbreaking, monumental, all the all the buzzwords you can think of. Texas joining the SEC. I feel like it's been a rumor. It's been something that people have been trying to speak into existence for a while now. Finally going to happen in 2024. What's the what's the pulse around Austin? What's the pulse around the program as the uh the horns move from the Big 12 to the SEC? There is a lot of excitement, uh, but I'm gonna go back to uh 2024 SEC schedule reveal. Um it was on SEC network and everybody learns their opponents. A lot of excitement for the fan base and for everybody to kind of see what's going to happen with Texas and Oklahoma as they join the league. But if you go to uh, Texas social media, uh, at least from the players and from Steve Sarkeesian, they all posted the 2023 schedule. And that was kind of a continuation of a trend throughout the offseason of Sark and players saying, look, yeah, we're excited. You know, we're, we're happy to get going into the SEC uh, but, you know, that's next year. This is this year, and the Longhorns are trying to win a Big 12 title in 2023 to springboard themselves into uh, the their new conference home come 2024. So definitely some excitement. It's part of the, re- why, part of the reason why I went to Nashville, but uh, the, the focus is about what Sark and guys like Quinn Ewers, Jalen Ford, they can all do this year on the field and hopes to win one last conference championship in this conference. Stark has, has done a fantastic job on the recruiting trail since he's gotten to Texas a year ago. I, I think it would have been a lot different if Quinn Ewers had avoided the injury bug. Uh, I mean that, that Alabama game before he was knocked out was about as good of a football game as you could ask for between two powerhouse programs, but he's back fully healthy. No more mullet clean shaven, uh, you know, all buttoned up now. Uh, but, but what's the, what's the offense going to look like for Texas in 2023? Probably going to have a little bit more balance last year. Uh, obviously you talked about Quinn Ewers getting injured, missed three games, um, and it went to back up Hudson Card for a little bit. Uh, and Ewers returned. He had some issues. Like, he just was playing like a first-year quarterback plays, despite that year at Ohio State. He was playing like a quarterback, gifted senior year plays. Uh, so he had a lot of problems. And, of course, you have two running backs like B. 
Bijan Robinson and Johnson on the roster, you're going to lean into the run game. So you would see even a lot of six offensive linemen sets last year. Um, part of that was to bolster uh, the blocking for Bijan and Roche on. Part of that was because wide receiver depth took a hit early in fall camp last year. So this year, uh, definitely going to look a little bit different with no Bijan, no Roshan. Uh, Bijan's on the Falcons, Roshan's on the Bears. Still some good running backs, including uh, five-star C.J. Baxter out of the Orlando area. Uh, but Texas has some really strong wide receivers this year, and you may see a little more balance, a little bit more emphasis on the passing game than you would in years past under Sark. Uh, Xavier Worthy, uh, big play guy, probably a field receiver. Uh, pretty light, pretty slight, but uh, really, really fast. Um, was Texas' leading receiver the past two seasons. Played a lot of last year with the brand, which we didn't learn about until the spring, until the team in pitches, touchdowns, and yards. Uh, A.D. Mitchell, Georgia transfer. He's caught a touchdown pass in all four of Georgia's college football playoff games, but he entered the portal after the year. Uh, cl- get closer to, I believe, a daughter he has here in Texas, uh, and he's a great boundary receiver. Then uh, in the slot, you'll have Jordan Whittington, uh, a fifth-year player, kind of not someone anybody expected to be at this for five years. He had some great uh, performances at Cuero uh, High School in Texas, uh, but he has had the injury bug for the first couple of years, and he finally f- played a full season. So great player in the slot. And then you got to remember Jatavian Sanders. At Tide, basically the national consciousness is occupied by Brock Bowers, and with re- reason, I'd put Jatavian Sanders right behind him. Uh, so that gives a lot of reason why uh, it's such an important year for Quinn Ewers just because the passing game is probably going to be the strength of this team. Downfield passing, like deep passing, which is obviously a big emphasis for Sarkeesian, was not up to the standard it needed to be last year. Left a lot of yards, a lot of points on the field and caused a lot of changes in possession uh, for the Longhorns that they probably would have preferred to keep the rock. Uh, But, you know, when the ball falls incomplete, Waste an opportunity, doesn't get you any yards, and that happened far too often last year. So that'll be the key. Uh, They can maybe alleviate the pressure on that by maybe starting to dish it around a little bit more, go with some more intermediate stuff. But Sark loves deep ball. Uh, He always has, always will, and that's going to be a big key this year to the success of the offense if some of those deep shots to the very talented receiver core can finally be converted. It wouldn't be an Ole Miss podcast – when we're talking Texas, if we don't talk about Arch Manning, at least for just a couple minutes, but tons of hype, buzz, all of that, <clears throat> you know, obviously I think it benefits him greatly that Quinn Ewers is there. He's not going to be asked to do a whole lot because it, I was talking to Austin Price from, from VolQuest earlier about Nico Iamaliva and just the, Joe Milton being there is good for him because he's not going to have to play and, and be thrown into the fire so quickly. But what's uh, what's been the early returns of Arch Manning um, in camp? And I, know, I mean, I know he was he's been on campus for a while now. He's been there. He's he's gotten acclimated to uh, to college life and being in the weight room and all that. But what's uh, what, what's the early buzz on him? Yeah, with, with Arch, um, he's definitely done a lot of things that make the coaches kind of recognize and make our sources kind of recognize that, you know what, that that top billing, that five-star billing that he had, uh, pretty pretty well-earned and well-deserved. Um, he's a little bit more athletic than probably either of his uncles at this point in their career, uh, which makes sense considering he's, he's her son. Uh, 
maybe profiles kind of, I don't know, I'm not old enough to know this, but maybe his athletic profile is a little bit closer to RG than uh, Eli or, or Peyton. Uh, he came in, uh, did everything he needed to do. He's obviously shown off the traits. He had a lightning quick release. Uh, but like you mentioned, this is going to be a, a, a year of adjustment. He's got Quinn Ewers to help lead him. Obviously, he's pushing Quinn Ewers. And, uh, you know, I think Arch Manning's presence just on the team is a positive for Ewers and that, oh, there's this guy here who's very capable. But at the same time, I think Arch Manning is going to be in a competition for the backup quarterback spot. Uh, if, if anybody watched highlights of the Texas spring game, there's a six foot four, 235 pounder named Malik Murphy out of California, who, after Quinn Ewers decided to enroll early at Ohio State, Sark decided to his attention that direction, um, landed Malik Murphy, just a big body, big arm guy who is finally healthy, waited his turn, stayed at Texas despite probably fielding some uh, or probably having his representatives field some, uh, you know, questions about his interest in other places. But he's at Texas. Uh, he's probably going to be the guy who, at least when camp starts, will be penciled in at the number two spot. But he'll be competing with Arch Manning, who um, probably will see a redshirt year. I, I told another uh, podcast I was on at a uh, told another podcast I was uh, I joined at SEC Media Days that if Arch Manning is starting games this year, that either means his development curve was just basically just a rocket ship and he just zoomed through fall camp and blew everybody away or probably that two quarterbacks ahead of him got injured. So I think that's the outlook for Arch Manning. The most optimistic viewpoint of Texas football this year is that, is that Quinn Ewers has the type of year to where he's an early round draft pick, goes to the NFL, and then the real battle starts next year between Murphy and Ewers, or excuse me, between Murphy and Manning, see who leads the Longhorns into the SEC under center. Last thing here, Joe, and again, appreciate the time. I know y'all are busy over there cranking away inside Texas, but what's the, you personally, and then collectively as a fan base, as as a group of uh, alumni and, and Longhorn fans, what's the thing that you're most looking forward to about joining the SEC? Is it, you know, kind of reigniting a rivalry with A&M? Is it just a regular grueling week-in, week-out schedule that's going to be a ton of fun? Um, or is it something else? Yeah, it's uh, Texas A&M for me, and it's like that for a lot of people. Uh, it was silly that the game was never played, but at that same time, I'm glad that it was never played in a low-level bowl game. Uh, the two teams never were good enough at the right time to meet in a game that actually had stakes. So I'm uh, I'm pretty pretty content that in 2024 that game's coming back. I think if you ask any Longhorn fan, they're not overly upset or even upset at all that the first game is at Kyle Field, even though the last one was at Kyle Field as well. Uh, Arkansas game being back on the schedule, there's a lot of older Longhorn fans and obviously Razorback fans who are uh, looking forward to seeing that coming back. Um, I, I think even they, even though they've been in the SEC for a good almost, you know, almost three decades, I think it is, the real rival for Arkansas is Texas. I, I think the LSU thing, you know, they share a border, little contrived. The Missouri thing, way more contrived rival is Texas. So I know they're happy it's back. I think you'll uh, find a lot of Texas fans who look with, at Arkansas with a little bit more but man, they enjoy beating them. 
Um, as far as the the rest of it goes, I don't know if there's a specific place, a specific team that Texas is really looking forward to. I think it's just the allure of all the different places. I mean, you go from Fayetteville, uh, you go to Baton Rouge, uh, Oxford, Starkville, Knoxville, Nashville. Uh, I mean, I could go all the way across the, co- the conference, but I think you get the point. Going to all these new places where there are stadiums with at least, I think with Vanderbilt accepted, 60-something thousand people, the only two stadiums in the Big 12 that are more than 65,000 people are Texas and Oklahoma. And Texas and Oklahoma never play in each other's home stadium. So there's a lot of excitement to go see these locations, go see all the new um, you know, teams that they're going to be uh, playing and you know, check out all the environments that everybody hypes up so much. And of course, the competition on the field being top of the line. Quickly on basketball, they may just, you know, I, I think that what the SEC has in, in quantity, uh, the Big 12 is quite a challenge in basketball, especially this year with Houston coming in, Baylor, Kansas, uh, Iowa State's going to be quality. Um, Texas Tech's still kind of rebuilding. Texas is going to be good. Uh, and Big 12, it's kind of where the, the, the top coaches in the country are, in my opinion. But there's only, well, this year there's 14 teams. Going into the SEC, 16 teams or some programs that don't take basketball as seriously, uh, but maybe now they're starting to because they have more money to uh, assign to coaching salaries, uh, assign to uh, facilities and stuff like that because of the giant SEC media contract. So maybe right now the Big 12 could be ahead in basketball, but in the future I think the SEC is going to zoom past. And, heck, I know I spoke with you all about this in the past. Uh, Chris Beard, you know, a top-line coach being hired by Ole Miss – um, you know, let's look at the on-court stuff for the purposes of, of this conversation. He's a great, great coach. And Ole Miss being able to get him, uh, Ole Miss having him shows that they can sign coaches like that with pedigree because they have uh, more money to spend thanks to the large media contract. And then baseball, I know Ole Miss coming off their national championship in 2022, uh, Mississippi State in 2021. Uh, baseball is huge in the Southeastern Conference. A lot of it just has to do with there basically being one pro team across the entire footprint, if you don't really want to count Texas and that being the Braves. So what is there to do in the, in the spring? Well, it's to, go to, um, it's to go to Oxford for a weekend series. It's to go anywhere. And I think you could argue that the baseball is a little bit better in – at least quality-wise, the baseball may be more competitive than the football, and that's saying a lot. So every Texas fan is really looking forward to it. Um, obviously, softball, even women's basketball, volleyball, a lot of different stuff going on. Texas feels like they're going to be at home and ready to compete in the SEC come July 1st, 2024. This podcast is brought to you by Cherokee Valley Golf Course in Olive Branch, Mississippi. Get on over to see Cody Allen and the crew to take on the challenge of their wide, plush Zoiza fairways and large championship Bermuda greens. They have two putting greens to hone in your game with the flat stick, a driving range, and a chipping green to tighten up the short game. Book a tee time online at olivebranch.com or give them a call at 662-893-4444. That's Cherokee Valley Golf Course in Olive Branch, Mississippi.
This podcast also comes to you thanks to Bluff City Advisory Group, Memphis's leading team of finance professionals who can provide advanced assistance with financial planning, pension, and qualified plan support, and business and estate planning strategies as well. Former Ole Miss Rebel and founding partner Ben Still, along with his elite-level customer service team, make it their goal to help you meet the ongoing demands of your financial needs. Learn about this and more at bluffcityadvisory.com. Back here on Radio Road. 2023 SEC Media Days. John Neighbors here talking Arkansas football. Um, hard to miss KJ Jefferson in here uh, earlier this week. I'll start there because I'm really intrigued to see what the offense looks like without Kendall Bryles. But what was uh, what was the vibe around him and talking offense and talking this year's team? You know, KJ is a guy who has been so good at developing the smallest things of his game each and every year. It seems like he's improved every little thing that he possibly can. And now with a new offensive coordinator, Dan Enos, and mentioned Kendall Bryles moving on, it's pretty interesting to see how he can tweak that game even more. He's a great athlete. You saw the size of him. And he's got the skill sets. He's got a big arm. He's got everything you would want. But the thing that he needs to take him to that next level to be an NFL top caliber quarterback his reads, his uh, decision-making when it comes to, hey, do I throw here or do I run here? Do I throw it away? When do I slide? You want him to keep doing KJ things, but you also want to keep him upright and keep him healthy. And I think that that's what Dan Enos is going to do a really good job of helping him develop because he's developed a lot of great quarterbacks, and I think uh, KJ Jefferson is going to be the next big one. I cover Ole Miss. Pretty damn good running back in Quinshawn Judkins. You cover Arkansas. Pretty damn good running back in Rocket Sanders. What uh, – a the questions that Quinshawn got all offseason, what can you do to be better and have a you know, improve on 2022? What do you what do you think Rocket Sanders can do to take his game to the next level? You know, it, it's funny you bring that up. I thought about this earlier this week because Rocky, we just talked about KJ. What can you improve on? And there's things you can talk about. But with Rocket, you know, there's not something I can point to, but, hey, this is what he needs to work on. It's not that he has problems fumbling the ball. He has great speed. He's got great power. He's got great decision-making. He does stay healthy. Mm-hmm. Uh, he makes good decisions. So it's not like anything that's just like, oh, this is a glaring weakness. But I think one thing he can do to take his game to another level is to continue to try to work on that top-end speed. He, he's, if you have the name Rocket, you better, you better yeah. back up the name Rocket, which he does, have, and he does yeah. do a good job. But when he gets to that fifth gear, can he get to the point to where – he can outrun people. Mm-hmm. Uh, that, that to me, would be the biggest element of his game, which you know, it's easier said than done to work on it to get to that point. But he's got the speed, but can he get the top-level speed? I'd like to see him take that to another level. Defensively, um, a lot of flashes last year of big-time explosive plays on defense. Um, Ole Miss fans know it all too well with what happened last year in Fayetteville. Uh, just kind of got – smacked in the face really hard um but what what's what's this year's defense look like i know um is is bumper pool still there <laughs> is he i feel like that guy i always say him and alex tejada i was like they had like nine years of eligibility but um defensively what's what's that side of the ball look like for sam Pittman's group oh well, uh, bumper pool uh, unfortunately already passed his uh, tommy boy years of seven years <laughs> in college it seemed like so uh he actually has moved on but no he was there for a long didn't time didn't want to get tenure like. no yeah yeah didn't want to <laughs> didn't want to have to be held down like that and be a 25 year old linebacker but it was it, it's true though the arkansas defense was abysmal it's the worst you will ever see they were dead last in pass defense in the country and you can't have that and so 
the mindset is, well, you can't get much worse than what you did. So it's got to improve somewhere. But I honestly think they've done some things where they hired a new defensive coordinator and a defensive staff. Travis Williams has done a great job. Marcus Woodson's done a great job of getting the culture and the energy back. Recruiting, they've done much better. They've added some much-needed pieces in the secondary out of the transfer portal, especially getting some guys out of Baylor. So I think just overall the defense is going to be one of the more improved units. Uh, you got Landon Jackson, who was here for Media Days, great defensive end. you got Jeff Coat on Missouri transfer. Also very large. Yes. Yeah, he, he's uh, and he's long, and he's gained weight and he gained it <laughs> rapidly. So yeah, he's he's been he's going to be great. Uh, Chris Poupal is a linebacker that's going to take some really good steps. So for Arkansas, just for everybody else, they got to stay healthy. They don't have a lot of depth. They got to stay healthy. But Arkansas is not going to be a number one, two, three defense in the SEC. They just need to be seven, eight. Maybe yeah. seven or eight. If they can make that jump. It's going to be a great year for Arkansas. So both coordinators. I feel like that's probably the biggest storyline for y'all. Both coordinators are gone. What's um you know been the focus for Sam Pittman this offseason in terms of that continuity and it's year one for those guys but I think uh, Arkansas's uh, talking to everybody on on Radio Row it's you got LSU you got Alabama and there's like a clump of five teams um, what do they need to do to be in that you know top of that second tier well KJ healthy keeping KJ healthy is everything I mean you gotta have your best player on the field. And last year when KJ wasn't healthy, there was three games he wasn't healthy. Arkansas lost all three of those games. There's something to that. So you got to keep him healthy first and foremost. You got to be able to stop the big plays from happening left and right on defense like we talked about. And those are the two things to me that they tweak them. It's a great year. Last year they lost three games by a combined seven points. Uh, and they lost games that like against LSU by three, against Missouri by one, against Texas A&M at the very end by two. Such close games. Can they make those plays at the end to have those 50-50 games go their way? Those are the things that can be the difference. And so as long as that happens, it'll be a great year. They, they were a good football team last year. I think they can be better this year, but they just got to make sure that they don't shoot themselves in the foot often and take care of business down the stretch when it matters the most. So no more Kendall Browles, no more Barry Odom. I think Ole Miss fans would probably like for Marcus Woodson to go somewhere else because he's recruiting so well and specifically recruiting Mississippi so well. Um, last thing, tell everybody, the setup here is elite. This is, this, is, this is pretty great. So tell everybody where they can find you, where they can hear about Arkansas and, and your podcast as well. Yeah, by the way, real quick, uh, I'm glad that they is recruiting Mississippi because Arkansas, the only athlete they had on the football team for Mississippi was K.J. Jefferson last year. In fact, they only had two athletes from the state of Mississippi on their entire athletic program. So think about that. Wow. Yeah, pretty crazy. Wow. But okay. still trying to improve on that one. <laughs> uh, but, uh, yeah, so I do a radio show out of Arkansas on 103.7 The Buzz called Out of Bounds from 1 to 4. You can catch it every weekday afternoon. And I also do a Locked on Razor Max podcast, which you can find it wherever podcasts are found on YouTube. Number one Razor Max podcast in the world. I'm going to take that credit all I can until I'm no longer that anymore. Uh, but, yeah, if, uh, you can follow me on the social media at Buzz John Neighbors, too. It's really easy to find. Introducing the new and improved BNA Bank mobile app. From setting transaction alerts and tracking your spending habits to managing travel plans and turning off a lost or stolen debit card, you can take care of all of it in the new BNA mobile app. At BNA Bank, we know that life moves pretty fast and we have the mobile technology to keep up with your life on the go. BNA Bank, local, invested, modern banking. The car buying process can be a lot. I know, I've been there. You just want to get in and out with a new car and the best deal. Simple. Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford. 
keeps it simple. They're going to take care of you, get you in and out with your new vehicle with a great deal. Their inventory right now is priced to sell, and what separates Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford from any and all competitors is they aim to address each of your needs with the utmost respect, care, and attention to detail. Contact them today at 662-234-8000. That's 662-234-8000. Stop by and see them in person at 2201 East University Avenue in Oxford. That's Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford to find your next perfect car, truck, or Jeep. Alan Samuels. Let's be friends. The older I get, the more I realize there are just some things I don't know. Balancing a budget, for example. I'm not a financial whiz. Sure, I know batting averages, passing and rushing yards, three-point shooting percentage. But intentionally putting away money for retirement? That's where my friends at NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast come in. NerdWallet's trusted financial journalists use fact-based reporting for some much-needed clarity in the financial world, helping you make smarter decisions with your money. The nerds have helped me get smarter about things like planning my tax bills so I don't dread April every single year. Actually, I was one of the first in line this time around. Saving on travel so that I can take my girls on trips. Because spending less on airfare means more money for an extra night and maybe a fancy dinner too. So enjoy the things you love, the Ole Miss Rebels, your family, your friends, knowing that your financial situation is taken care of with advice that you followed from NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app today. Trust me, future you will thank you. Still on Radio Row here at SEC Media Day's final day here. Here with Eddie Radosevich. Yeah, you got it. Radosevich. I mean, it's Radosevich. Yeah, it's okay. been okay. it's been said so many different ways that it doesn't even matter anymore. Uh, well, let's go ahead and start here. Is the is the goal is like the career goal to get Paul Feinbaum to say it correctly? Yeah, I think that would be it. I think that my day would be made if I uh, I'm, I'm gonna have to maybe just wait him out over here and uh, try to invite myself onto his show at some point, <laughs> but. Uh, no, it's been fun. This is this whole thing's obviously new to everybody yeah. here with the Oklahoma side of things, and uh, it kind of wanted to come see, you know, what this experience is like, and mm-hmm. uh, try to kind of get a foot in the door before uh, everything really starts for real here in a year. Yeah. So I was I was talking with Joe Cook from Inside Texas. Yeah. So welcome to the resistance. You're now yeah, with, appreciate with it. Appreciate it. Um, yeah, on three and in the SEC next year. Exactly. But I was asking him like, what's like the thing you're most looking forward to? with the merger and moving into a new conference, saying goodbye to the Big 12. But what's that for for you and just in the Oklahoma fan base in general? Sure, I I think it's probably the new experiences and going to new places. Uh, There's only so many times that you can go to, like I I have a soft spot for like Morgantown and making that trip, Uh, staying in Pittsburgh. I have always enjoyed that, but it's uh, going to be different. And I think that getting out to uh, some places like in Oxford or Baton Rouge or Tuscaloosa or Athens or wherever, uh, hell, even a trip to Vanderbilt and come to Nashville for a couple days. Uh, it's it's going to be a lot of fun, and I think that you know the fan base is obviously extremely excited about uh, the move and kind of joining parties with like-minded fans. I think the passion for the college athletics, especially college football, obviously. So uh, yeah, I, I think just getting out to the new places and seeing uh, kind of what the SEC is all about. Looking at this season, um, Ole Miss fans are pretty familiar with the offense yeah. and, and how it looks sure. with Jeff Levy and his time with Lane Kiffin at Ole Miss, but um, a lot of hype around that offense, and and I think it's a pretty highly anticipated year two for, for Brent Venables. Yeah, it's, 
it's pivotal. I mean, I, they coming off of a six and seven season a year ago, and the way that they lost games, five of the seven losses were by one possession. Uh, it was, uh, I think, frustrating at times because I think a lot of people just saw that uh, Brent Venables inherited a program that went 11 and two the year before, had been great historically, offensively, uh, especially in 17, 18, 19 with uh, Baker, Kyler, and Jalen Hurts, and uh, you know it, it just never came to fruition last year. And the way that they lost games in the fourth quarter, having chances to be that close, they were a couple plays away, and the narrative is probably a little bit different going into Brent's second year if they were able to win a couple more games, but they didn't, and I think that it sets up for a 20. 23 season that is pivotal to uh, build some momentum for Oklahoma and uh, you know getting Gabriel back for his second year in Norman obviously he's a veteran guy uh, he struggled at the beginning of last year they have some question marks at the wide receiver position uh, and who's going to kind of be that guy who can make uh, who can win battles out mm-hmm. on the outside and you lose a guy in Marvin Mims who's now with the Denver Broncos uh, he that's a lot of production that they're losing from uh, from a season ago and uh, you know, I, I think for Oklahoma specifically, though, nothing changes if they don't get better defensively. And that's been kind of, I think, the bit for fans here over the last five, six, seven years. Uh, even with some of those teams that were great historically offensively, uh, they couldn't get off the field and they couldn't get stops. And when they did get off the field, it's because they had given up a touchdown. So uh, it's it's been, I think, frustrating to a certain extent. But it is, uh, I don't know, It's it depending on which way you want to look at it, coming off of a six and seven season and having to rebuild and having to build depth in positions that they just simply, it wasn't good enough. Mm. Uh, They still made a top, they still signed a top five uh, recruiting class last year, which, you know, I think kind of gives you an insight into a little bit of the vision of what Brent's trying to build and what they're trying to do down in Norman. And, uh, you know, they just simply weren't able to get away with things a season ago that they had gotten away with in 2017 and uh you know the years that they were competing for college football playoffs they were just so good offensively they could get away with it so i I, look you're gonna get lumped in with texas sure coming to the sec with them you're already lumped in with the rivalry but when i was talking with joe and talking about arch manning because we got to talk about him it's it's an old miss podcast we have to do it like it's in our contract yeah but um jackson arnold in that same class pretty much set up for some pretty insane Red River games coming yeah. up with those two guys. What's uh, what's the buzz around Norman with, with him? Because I know Dylan Gabriel's there, yeah. but Jackson Arnold's a dude, and yeah. I think people are itching oh, for him to get under center. There's already a, a segment of the fan base that's ready to see Jackson Arnold take over from day one, and you know that would be a lot throwing out a guy that uh, you know obviously he was in there for spring, so he did go through uh, uh, spring football with Oklahoma, but at the same time, uh, it's Gabriel's team. He's the team leader. Uh, I think it would take something, you know, pretty drastic for them to uh, replace Dylan. Mm-hmm. Uh, but at the same time, when you start talking about 2024, you start talking about those battles that are going to be in the SEC. Uh, you know, I think there's a lot of people that around the program that feel like Jackson Arnold could end up being the next great Oklahoma quarterback. I think that he, uh, you know, we saw him a couple times down at Denton Geyer. Uh, it's a short trip from Norman's. So we would go down for high school games and. He is extremely, extremely good. Obviously, I mean, a five-star guy, one elite eleven. Um, he, he, and he's, he's, he's a guy that I think has kind of grown with Jeff Levy in a, in a mm. way. So, yeah. uh, Levy's done an incredible job of building that quarterback room back up to what it needs to be. Uh, you know, through this year, obviously with Jackson, and then uh, he has a guy in 2025 already lined up, and Kevin Sperry, who uh, just recently moved into East Oklahoma City. So, uh, yeah, Jackson's going to be really, really good. I think that. 
fans, and particularly Oklahoma fans, though, have this idea that because it was so easy for Caleb Williams to step in for Spencer Rattler in 21, that it's just that's the way it's supposed to be. Yeah. And not, uh, not realizing at the same time that Caleb Williams is probably a once-in-a-generation type mm-hmm. quarterback. So, uh, As I like to say, Trevor Lawrence has ruined it for everybody. Yeah, like everybody, everybody thinks that the guy can just walk in and you yeah. know, basically do no wrong. Uh, but there were times, like even as a freshman, that Caleb struggled. And he yeah. obviously, you know, going out to USC, it's been incredible to watch from afar and just how much he's grown as a quarterback mm-hmm. uh, and through those freshman struggles. So uh, Jackson's going to be really, really good someday. It's going to be kind of exciting to see, like, when that takes over. Mm. I think for Oklahoma, they would hope that it's probably not until 2024, though, because that would mean that something drastic has happened and drastically bad with, uh, exactly. with the offense this year. Yeah. Uh, going over to defense, obviously Venables is a defensive guy. Yeah. Um, I've talked to people that have played high levels of football, coaches, analysts. It seems like the common thing that I got from Venables is he has to have these very cerebral, highly intelligent guys to, you know, it's cliche, but coach on the field. Yeah. And, you know, inheriting a roster that's not entirely his, maybe he didn't have that. Um, am I hitting something no it's funny that you say that though because we just got done talking to danny stutzman at big 12 media day last week and he was talking about uh you know how they can basically this summer it's been the first time that he understands what they need to do defensively he can be a coach on the field Mm -hmm. in the practice sessions when the coaches can't be there during the summer and it feels like they've taken a step what that's going to be I don't know, but yeah. like getting out of triple digits, that's a mandatory if Oklahoma wants to get to where they want to be in 2023. So, uh, yeah, I, I think that like Danny Sussman's kind of taking the lead role on that. They went into the transfer portal, got a bunch of guys that are going to help on the defensive line automatically. Davon Sears from Texas State, Jacob Lacey from Notre Dame, uh, Rondell Bothroyd from Wake Forest, Trace Ford from Oklahoma State. I mean, these are guys that are going to have to come in and contribute and be day one mm. contributors this season if Oklahoma wants to take that step defensively because it just the, the players that they've had on that side of the football over the last three, four, five years, they're, they've, they've been good players, mm-hmm. but obviously they haven't been good defenses. And I think that, you know, there is too much track record with Brent. I think that this is one thing that makes Oklahoma fans feel pretty good about everything is that the track record with Brent, he's going to figure it out. They're going yeah. to play good defense eventually. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think Oklahoma fans just hope it's sooner than later. Yeah. Uh, looking kind of all sports and, and moving to the SEC, yeah. I, I hate to bring it up. Now it's a couple years. Now it's a couple years ago, but Oklahoma played Ole Miss in the sure. national championship yeah. in baseball. Yeah, it was awesome. Uh, I, I think Ole Miss fans are all still breathing a sigh of relief that Kate Horton got out of that game because <laughs> uh, it was pretty untouchable. Yeah. yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, vibes are high with with baseball yeah. and, and moving to a conference that you know Big Twelve is big in baseball, sure. but, but SEC it's a it's a kind of a different animal. Yeah. Um, it's it's not exactly you know a uh, as people say a niche sport. Sure, um, it's a big deal. But um, you know what's not just baseball, just other basketball, mm-hmm. everything else. Like you know what's the what's the the vibe around you know the excitement, the buzz about moving to the SEC. Yeah, there, I mean there's a lot of excitement, and I think that when you look at the other sports in Oklahoma's. Uh, been pretty successful in baseball playing for a national championship. Mm-hmm. It's up and down. It's probably not quite as uh, rabid as the OU football fan is, but at the same time, 
there's been a uh, there's been a passion in the state of Oklahoma for softball here for the last couple you know decade now with what Patty Gasso has been able to do. So we could do a whole show on that. Yeah, I mean it's it's, it's insane. It's insane. Like the the numbers that softball stories do yeah. are mind blowing. Truly, yeah. we had two people cover the College World Series this past year. Uh, in the run that they were on, so uh, you know, golf is a is a yeah. big sport in Oklahoma. They yeah. won a national championship in 2017. Uh, baseball, obviously, like you said, in basketball has been up and down, but uh, Jenny Baranchek seems Moser. to be turning things around on the women's side, and then Porter Moser, obviously, he has he's going into a big year himself uh, in his second season in Norman. So uh, I think there there's a level of excitement for the entirety of the sports scene and mm-hmm. the move to the SEC. And uh, like I said earlier, it's like I, I think that Oklahoma fans feel like their passion for college athletics matches with what that is for SEC. And, mm-hmm. you know, the OU baseball fans saw it firsthand with how many people came up from Oxford for the national championship yeah. series up in Omaha. I mean, it was <laughs> 90 to 10 uh, Ole Miss to Oklahoma fans. So it was it, it's exciting. But I do think that, like, and we talk about this on the radio all the time back in Oklahoma, is the fact that, uh, you know, I think that people think that they're ready, mm-hmm. but there's a difference between thinking you're ready and knowing that you're ready or being ready. And that's going to be kind of interesting to see how OU fans wade through those waters here over the yeah. next couple of years. You know what they say, Eddie? You don't have to get ready if you stay ready. Yeah, that's right. So that's right. Go. So, uh, but yeah, man, appreciate it. Absolutely. Safe travels. No yeah, and, uh, absolutely. Get, and tell everybody, I know you're part of the On3 network. Tell everybody yeah. where they can find your yeah. stuff and the rest of the stuff y'all do. Soonerscoop.com, On3, obviously. It's been uh, pretty magical here since we joined a couple months ago. It's been a fun ride, and I know that uh, talking to Shane and Terry and those guys, the things that they have you know, planned here for moving forward in the future, and even the stuff that they've done with NIL valuation and that kind of stuff, it's important in college athletics, whether people want to you know, pay attention to it or not. That's kind of what's driving the sport right now, and uh, it's been a lot of fun. So, yeah, Soonerscoop.com. All right. Appreciate it, man. You Be bet. Good. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today.